You're listening to Boca Banner, a photography podcast with Joe High and Chris Golden. On this episode... You're a smart guy. You're not going to make an uncalculated risk. We'll see about that. You're a smart guy. Just, you're not, just, you're not going to be kidding. stupid about it. No, we'll see about me being a smart guy. Oh, <laughs> I think you're a smart guy. That's why I blocked you. Thank you all for joining us on what is going to be the last episode of Boca Banter, as Joe High has decided that he hates Chris Golden. Wait, wait. No, we're not. Yeah, see, you told me that I could start this episode, and then you just kind of jumped into it. Um, I wanted to poison the well as much as possible. This is stack the odds against you from defending yourself. Well, I need to defend myself. Uh, first, First of all, this is not the last episode of Boca Banter, for crying out loud. We just got rolling again. Let's not end it now. We have momentum of... Two shows since, we, yeah. <laughs> so okay, um, Chris, you, I know you're sour, and I, I need to put out a couple. You can tell the story. I'll, I'll give you that glory, but um, I need to put out a couple of prefaces in defense of myself. May I do this? Yes, of course. Okay, so listeners, dear listeners of Boca Banter, please lend me your ears, as you already are. <laughs> I first of all, I need you to know that I am not the most uh i'm not the best social media user in in fact i'm not the most enthusiastic social media user in some instances i don't even like to use it at all but it is part of a business but since i haven't mastered it i do tend to make mistakes uh like the one you're about to hear about and sometimes they are at the expense of very good friends of mine like you chris And picture this, a burgeoning young, trying to spread his wings photographer, learning Instagram for the very first time, watching videos and tutorials made for 70-year-olds, learning how to use their iPhone for the first time, because he knows nothing about the platform. And as he's going to check on the works of his very good friend, and possibly mentor, in some cases, Joe High, he goes and finds that his profile does not exist. In fact... I can't find anything related to Joe High Photography or Joe High in general on Instagram. Puzzled by this, I ask him his Instagram tag slash handle whatever, and when I can't find it, even after directly copy and pasting it, this young, handsome photographer throws his hands up into the air and says, (laughs) I guess I just don't know how Instagram works. We go forward a few days. Uh, Learning is continuing. Using the wrong tag to be honest i thought you had my profile name wrong like because it's out there i'm incompetent but i'm not that incompetent i was i was getting i was getting a little bit worried because you know i thought oh maybe my likes are down because my profile is banned for some reason that you know the instagram gods have decided had to deem me unworthy uh regardless so one day you posted a, I believe it's called an IGTV. I don't know. The 70-year-old Facebook video didn't go over that, or uh, Instagram video didn't go over that part yet. <laughs> so I think it's an IGTV. It's a video, basically, that you produced and sent to me. And my app is freaking out every single time that I try and open this link. I can't do it in my desktop. I can't do it in Facebook Messenger. I can't open this link that you send me. And it so clearly exists. I am losing my mind. I click on it. I get this fuzzy black and white, you know, old TV, fuzzy screen kind of thing, which I guess is just an Instagram thing I wasn't aware of. But I am losing my freaking mind 
trying to find Joe High photography on Instagram. Until I get a message. I found you. I found you on Instagram. And a couple of lights went off. There was a... He banned me! I banned you. He banned (laughs) me! I I find Chris Golden Photography on Instagram. Link in the description. (laughs) Trying to win you back here. And I see, would you like to unblock Chris Golden Photography? I'm like, when did I block him? He he hates me. I can't (laughs) believe it. I have no memory of blocking you. (laughs) I have no memory of blocking you. To be fair, as it sits right now, my Instagram is the closest thing to like a fake profile as possible. It's got a link to my website. It's got a logo. It has zero posts. It has zero videos. So if you actually did think that that was a genuine mistake, that's totally reasonable. I haven't posted anything yet because... Because I've kind of got stage fright a little bit. Like, I want my first post to be somewhat decent, but I don't know what to make it. Ha. Interesting. Everyone's everyone's talking about having, like, a consistent-looking feed, and you got to make sure that it's all edited the same way, and, you know, post in batches of three or six so that it's consistent as people are scrolling up the timeline. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I just want to put my photos on the internet. I know. There's so much pressure on, like, specific ways you're supposed to do it. I'm like, are we supposed to just, like, put stuff up? Like, hey, I did a wedding today. Here's a pretty picture from it. The end. No, you have to do 30 hashtags, and they all have to be, like, the most optimal hashtags that you can do. And you and have to make sure... And it doesn't tell you how many hashtags you've used, so you should group them in groups of, like, five or ten, so you know <laughs> yeah, how many you've uh... used or something. Man, this is alien to me. I think I mo- know more about developing film than I do about Instagram, and I know nothing about I know developing nothing film. about that. <laughs> I don't honestly like Instagram. Oh, I know that's going to be a terrible thing to say, but I, I think if, if I, I don't remember this, but I'm guessing that what must have happened is that I initially saw your Instagram profile, thought it was fake because there was nothing on it, and must have blocked you. Or I just was going through and blocking a whole bunch of, you know, rogue profiles or something and accidentally blocked yours. I don't know. I have no idea. Point is, you're you're not blocked anymore. And I, I, I now follow you. Ah, uh, well, thank you so much. <laughs> I have at least 100 followers, which is strange. You have over 100. I, that's one third of my Facebook audience for doing nothing. <laughs> How many likes or what is it likes on Facebook now or it, it's likes on Facebook and I've got like almost 300, but I'm going to launch a uh, engagement shoot giveaway soon. That'll um, hopefully bump those numbers up a little bit. Give it a go. You know, I think I actually, I think the one that I just ran actually ends today. I think I need to choose the winners from today for today. So thank you for reminding me. You're welcome. I, uh, I did not realize how complicated and what kind of rules you'd have to put into place to uh, get a, fa- or, uh, a contest up and running. Like, you have well, to use specific verbiage. You can't call it a sweepstakes or a raffle or anything. Like, you're supposed to call it a contest or a giveaway. I didn't know that. I knew that if it was on, like, Instagram, you really should put in the verbiage of this giveaway is not associated in any way with Instagram. That's That's a good thing to know. Okay. Yeah, like, I mean, obviously it's associated because you're promoting it on the platform, but, like, it's not sponsored by or something like that with Instagram. It's just using Instagram to spread word about it. I don't gotcha. I don't know all the exact rules on that, but, uh, yeah, there is, there is some stuff. 
we could do a whole podcast on the benefits and pitfalls of social media. And I would be all over that. Actually, I could probably just do a monologue on that. <laughs> but I, I listened to your TED talk. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it'd be worthy of a TED talk because I'm sure that TED talks are. There'd be a lot more screaming and ranting involved. Yeah. I'm sure. And I'm sure that TED talks are very much, uh, they very much necessitate Instagram and Facebook and all that liking them. And mine wouldn't really <laughs> do that. So I will say this at risk of just having people just shut off the podcast right now. If I can figure out a way to run my business profitably and not use a drop of social media, I will gladly do it. But you can't. I'm, I'm, I'm holding out that maybe I can, but right now I don't know how. So yeah, it would be nice. We did, one of the reasons I'm bringing that up is because this, this past week, uh, being the first year, first, the first year of the week, 2021, the first week of the year, 2021, uh, my wife and I decided to do a, 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 like a, a meat, like not like a food fast, but like a media entertainment fast, just like no, um, no movies, no podcasts, oh, no right. social as media. As in like fasting, giving something up. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Like, uh, like you would do for I, like, Lent I was thinking or something. like land speed. No, 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 no. Like, like what you would do at like Lent, you know, like some people would say, sure. oh, I'm going to fast sugar or alcohol or something. We said, let's, let's do no media. Like let's do no TV, no podcast, no, no news, no social media. And just we'll play games or we'll read books or we'll take walks or whatever, but let's, let's just try to declutter our minds the first week of the year. So, uh, and how did that go? Oh, oh I don't want to stop. I, I loved it. Wow. <laughs> I loved it. I'm like, man, I love this no social media thing. I just wish I could carry it forward with the business. But personally, I, I don't, I don't want to be on it at all. I mean, I did miss some things like there's a lot of uh, tutorials that I like, you know, I like looking up tutorials on new techniques on YouTube and that counted as something to not do. So I had to forego that for a week. No YouTube for a week. That'd be tough, man. I yeah. spend a lot of my free time on YouTube. Yeah, I do too. And I don't even watch it for, I don't know. I, fi I find a lot of stuff on YouTube to be a little bit more inspirational. So I like we, mostly because you can curate what you're going to watch and you, know, you can subscribe to specific channels and whatnot. My wife and I really like watching channels about people who are um, like like tiny house living or living out in the woods or self-employed uh, people who, you know, very entrepreneurial minded, um, non W2 living people. Uh, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yep. You know, so th those are fun. And uh, like, there's a guy, there's a guy who builds a log cabin out in like the Canadian wilderness. And he, that's just what he does. He builds, a, builds his cabin, lives in it, and then builds another cabin. That's like an additional to his homestead. It's so much fun to watch. That's pretty cool. My YouTube recommendations are filled with nothing but photography, video games, and food. Hey, if it brings you life, <laughs> keep it up. I actually found I don't I don't watch a lot of photography stuff anymore. Maybe it's because it's just it's so it's that's so much my life now. Like I don't when I'm done with work, I don't really need to go and find entertainment in more work. Maybe I I see it more as like I. You are very well-defined and well-established. I'm still working that out. So not only is it enjoyable and relaxing for me to be watching like photography YouTube channels or anything like that, but it's kind of like, um, what, what's the word? 
like living through others, so to speak. Vicarious? You know, it, like living vicariously? Sure. Yeah. So like, you know, it's cool to watch all these YouTube videos of people doing like these awesome, crazy portrait shoots uh, or uh, doing travel photography in locations that I currently cannot visit, mm -hmm. nor would I normally be able to given the circumstances. So yeah. it, it, it's kind of, you know, somebody else's experience, someone else's life, and it's a nice little escape. I, I do think that it is a source of inspiration to watch other people's achievements and not like not look on with envy, but be like, oh, that's possible. Oh, wow. How did they do that? What kind of techniques could I apply? And, and you know, how can I enhance what I do learning from them? I, I think there's a lot of value in that. Yep. Uh, the majority of it recently, as far as like technique goes, not like the travel or uh, portrait sessions or anything like that, has been the uh, the Magmod videos that they put out. Oh, yeah, you're, uh, am, you're a Magmod man now. I, I am a huge fanboy for their products. Uh, not sponsored, by the way, just a fan. But they could but, be uh, Magmod if you're out there. Yeah, at us, I think, right? <laughs> I don't know how it works. Uh, yeah, uh, sure. Chris at chrisgoldenphotography.com. Anyway, so it they've developed a great platform for themselves as, in my opinion, not only great products, but they also have a wicked good social media engagement and I know we were just talking about the perils of social media, whatever, but their Facebook community is all wickedly positive for everybody. You know, there's people that are just starting off. There's experts. Um, a lot of people that I really look up to post in there and will give like full breakdowns of everything that they have. Their YouTube channel is absolutely fantastic. Not even if you're using their products, but just things about like using gels to balance the color of your flash, using gels to change the color of the sky, you know, how to feather your lights and everything like that, which really interests me because there's still a lot of technique to learn for me. Mm -hmm. I, I am basing my entire photography uh, branding off of flashes at this point. I would not go to a shoot without a flash. I feel like it's just an endless well of knowledge to be able to to pick up from. Well, because hey, we there's just a so link in the description flash. for Magmod's YouTube channel then. Yeah, I mean, check it out. Like I said, it's not only for their products, although obviously they are the, the feature of them and used extensively throughout it, but just still general purpose, you know, learning your lighting. I've, uh, I've often thought about making a YouTube channel myself, but it seems like so daunting a process. And if I were to do it, I'd only want to make like seven or eight videos, maybe, and not turn it into a big thing. But I'd want to make videos that are useful to people that would have been useful to me. Like, there are so many... I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just pulling empties out of my brain right now. <laughs> do, do you not relate to this at all? Well, I do, but I I don't know because we're, we're into... I know that you, you keep saying this, and I'm, I'm going to clarify a little bit. You keep saying, like, I'm more established than you and whatnot, which I guess has to be true just because I've, I've been full-time longer than you. And, well, I guess you're not technically full-time right now, right? No. No, okay, well, anyway, but I, I am not as established as many photographers, even in our local area. So, I mean, I still have a lot to learn too, but I do think I've reached a point where I'm not really finding what I feel is going to make me a better photographer on 
YouTube videos. So now when I, I, I know I said I didn't watch photography stuff earlier, but I, I do, but it's more of, it's not tutorials. It's not how to's. It's like, uh, well, we did that interview with, with Ben Horn. You know, I love his channel. He doesn't teach you how to do eight by 10 large format landscape photography. He just does it and takes you along for the ride. I really like, as you were saying, experiencing that vicariously. I watch a lot of channels of people who are doing uh, film photography specifically, not to learn how to do film photography just because, I don't know, it's just fun to watch someone doing something fun. And I don't really learn anything at the end of the video. I just enjoyed watching their trip or their shoot or their unboxing of a new interesting camera or whatever sure or even them yeah, going it, to the store and buying a camera it's just fun to watch it, it's a vlog for our specific niche so i was thinking like i would like to start a youtube channel and put up maybe seven or eight videos that i think would be interesting topics and then just leave it mm. because there's so much additional work to it that i don't really know if i'd want to continue on with that it, it is a another job you know it's a, it's a side job it, it requires hours and time and skill and it's not a easy thing to do if you're going to do it right i mean anyone can make a video and put it up on youtube but actually make a working channel that people want to watch and subscribe to and you can actually make some income off of it that is not easy to do yeah maybe once i figure out instagram i'll i'll start briefly considering it You've done a YouTube channel with the intention of making tutorials before, though, and that kind of, you know, yeah. fizzled out a little bit. What, what happened there? Well, uh, 2020 happened because I pretty much did videos last year, and I think I made like three. I I don't I actually would still like to do that personally, but it, it's it, it's it's just a question. I mean, I guess I guess this gets into rolling into our next topic of work life balance is like how many side projects do I want to take on at once. And, um, something like YouTube, like I, I don't view YouTube as, you know what, this is, this is an interesting thing. Do, I think we may have talked about this on previous episodes, but I don't, I have a very difficult time creating anything and not considering how it can be monetized, right? Like it's very difficult for me to go out and say, I'm going to take pictures today and just be like, I'm going to take pictures today and that's it. I'm not going to share them. I'm not going to think about how I could sell them or anything or vlog it or any, make some sort of content to produce more interest for viewers who might follow my channel and then maybe buy some stuff later on. I don't, I, it's really, really hard to think about that. So that's one of the reasons why I shoot on film is because it is like, there's so much more barriers to making that a consumable product because it starts in such a physical form that it's more freeing for me to just be like, oh, this is my digital camera. This is what I use for personal work. This is what I use to take pictures of my baby girl. And this is what I use to take pictures of my yard when it snows. And if I'm going to take pictures of, you know, just my hometown that I know nobody's going to buy, but like, I just want to have pictures of them. But sure. So when, when you pick up the 5D, you're like, all right, I'm going to go and make some money with this. When you pick up yeah. your insert film camera, model number which i'm unfamiliar with canon you're F1. like okay when you pick up your canon f1 <laughs> you're like okay i'm gonna shoot for joe high not joe high photography right and i'm not opposed to doing some like if i was gonna do a youtube channel 
doing some videos. Actually, I would like to do videos of some digital work and some film work, but it, it's um, I can't not look at a YouTube channel as a zero potential for a business endeavor. Like if I'm doing a YouTube channel, like I, I'm looking at it as, okay, this is another form of business. This is another way to make money or at least market. So it has to be done right. We're not just here to have fun and blah, blah, blah. And who cares if anyone watches it? Because if nobody watches it, it means your product sucks and you need to improve it somehow. So I've just been waiting for the time where I can devote that mental energy and actual time to like just doing it and doing it right. I'd really like to do that this year, but I also said that last year. So I'm not going to make any promises. Yeah, if if anything, I've thought about using a YouTube channel as a means of also putting up tutorials and uh, kind of like promo videos for potential clients. So thinking in the idea of like walking people through my posing technique, because a lot of people are scared and anxious when they set up for, let's say, an engagement photo shoot. They're like, I don't know if I want to go through with this. I'm really nervous. I don't know what to do with my hands. I, I would really love to make a video with a couple and just be like, okay, so here's what a little bit of a uh, photo shoot's going to taste like if you decide to have an engagement photo shoot with me and put in some kind of cute, sappy indie music over it and maybe a little, <laughs> maybe a little um, quick interview with a couple afterwards and have them be like, oh, that was a lot of fun. It felt like a date. You know, I think that'd be kind of fun to make. I and love it this guy. Going. He's so funny. <laughs> oh, these guys are great. I love him so much. That intro for the last episode was amazing. <laughs> no, that's actually a really good piece of content to have up there. And like I've done that in the form of blogs on my website. And I, I like that works. So do that. That works. Like people. Did you say blog or vlog? Blog As with in, a like, B. Taking video. Blog okay. with a B. Like a B blog. A written form piece of content to tell people how you should dress on a shoot. Um, you know, I do primarily weddings. So I have like, Hey, here's how you can schedule out your day. Here's how to make your wedding photos look better. Blah, 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 blah. That's really good also for SEO because then Google's looking at it and being like, Hey, Oh, here's someone, some dude talking about wedding photos. Do, 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 do. One of my more popular blogs on there, according to the analytics is a list of local venues reviewed by me. You know, so I just, I just only put up ones that I liked. Uh, there's ones that are not on there that I also do like, but I just limited it just in case anybody, any venues listening to this and being like, how come we're not on that blog? Doesn't mean I hate you. Just means that I didn't write about you this time. Anyways. At least you didn't block you. <sighs> Anyways, that kind of content is really good though, because that shows your expertise and it's kind of a way for a client to meet you before meeting you. I, I did a I did a video like that way back when I don't know how many years ago. It might have been like I think it was five or more years ago. Uh like that. And that actually landed me jobs, Chris. So that's a good idea. Like people saw that video and were like, oh yeah, I, I was looking around for photographers and then I saw this video on your website. Like they found me through my website. I saw this video and you just seem like the kind of guy we would get along with. I'm like, oh, psh, awesome. Because that's also a factor. You know, you want people to jive with you. Charisma is a huge point in picking out a photographer. Because especially for a wedding day, you want to make sure that you jive well with this person. You know, you can get a groove on with them. They're not awkward. They're not ums and aahing and everything like that. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah, for sure. And it, do- and it doesn't mean since I think that the people listening to this show probably are photographers, it doesn't mean that you want to appeal to everyone. In fact, it, it probably is better if you don't because like nobody appeals to everybody. You be yourself and the people who would naturally get along with you well are going to recognize that they would get along well with you. So if you right. if you just try to be the mass appeal like, oh, I'm so exciting. Everybody likes me because I'm awesome. And just, yeah, you're going to run out of steam because uh, that's a mask and you got to fake it for a long time. And it, it's not it doesn't work. It just it you it just doesn't last. So don't just be yourself in those kind of things. So, you know, write as you, when you're, if you're writing a blog like that, write as you would talk. If you're doing a video, talk like yourself. Uh, if you're doing a podcast, do it with a friend who you want to block on Instagram. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> yes. If there's not a little bit of hatred in there, then it's not actually genuine. <laughs> it's not. That's right. It's only genuine if there's a little bit of hatred. Oh, every friendship should have a little bit of hatred or it's not real. Right. <laughs> that's a terrible thing to say. <laughs> that's a terrible thing to say. I know. We're terrible people. Oh, gosh. So anyway, this does this does kind of roll into the topic of work-life balance because we're talking about like adding on another business of like YouTube videos and you had mentioned before we started recording that this past year has been a very good year for your business, but you found it more difficult because you had more time required for your business. And I've been there and I, I'm kind of going down memory lane by listening to you. So do tell. Are you, are you getting a little, a little shade and fraud of like, oh man, I love hearing this person suffer because I've gone through it myself. Shade and fraud. Is that what you said? Is that, is that how you pronounce it? Something like that. I'm not familiar Basically, with this term. What does it mean? You're looking it up? Let, yeah. The experience of pleasure, joy, or self-satisfaction that comes from learning of or witnessing the troubles, failures, or humiliation No, 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 no. Not like that. No, <laughs> no. I'm not that cynical. I'm not that sadistic. No, it's not. That's not. I'm not, I'm not enjoying your pain. I'm, I'm just, I'm enjoying it because I enjoy seeing you like progress ah, and okay. this is right. a step in progressing is realizing it is realizing and being able to identify time requirements. And sadly, sometimes that comes with some discomfort as you realize, Oh, this, this requires more time than I thought, or, you know, how easy is it to do a full-time job and a side photography income? Yeah. Yeah. Learn it. Uh, it definitely feels like burning the candles at both ends is a very apt metaphor for this situation except that candles can only be burned at one end i've never understood that one what kind of a candle has two ends to burn i feel let's see what what's what's the quote i feel like butter a piece of toast with not too much bread butter yes that's exactly <laughs> what i was thinking okay you know the quote better than i do so what is it it's butter toast being spread I across i feel thin like butter spread across too much bread I need a holiday, yes, yes. an especially long exactly. holiday, and I don't think I shall return. Something like that. Yep, yep, exactly. Uh, Joe and I are both dorks, by the way, if you weren't aware. Uh, Lord of the Rings quote. But anyway, yeah, so I experienced that, and I've experienced that in uh, much smaller doses before, and I've always thought, like, I can handle a little bit more work. It's not been that bad, but no, it's been pretty bad. Especially considering that my day job is now at the same computer as my side gig job. And I'm spending eight hours Monday through Friday here at the computer editing videos as my nine to five day job. Mm -hmm. And then 
staying put and continuing to work at that same space. I feel like I'm pulling overtime and not reaping the benefits of it. I mean, I am reaping the benefits of it, but that's kind of what's gotten me to the point where like, man, I've got to, I like working for myself. Seeing, seeing that point that may be coming in the future where you're saying, you know what, I don't want to divide my time between my working for someone else and my investing in myself. You're saying maybe I should just err on the ladder. Uh, to an extent, I mean, I definitely get the appeal of it. It's a scary thought, but uh, I don't know if I'm at that point right now or if I'm going to be at that point anytime soon, but I definitely see the appeal of switching over to a personal business only at this point. I'm curious when you thought, what, what was your breaking point? Because for a little while there, you had held a full-time job for quite some time. A couple, actually. And, Not at the same yeah. time, but yeah. Okay, so I'm talking about specifically our experience. We've mentioned before on an earlier episode that Joe and I were both employed at a a uh, preferred electronics purchases. store. Preferred purchases, big buy. Uh, <laughs> something along those lines. And um, we were both full-time employees. That's how we met each other. And I was always a little envious, Joe, that you had a successful business on the side and I was just a full-time employee there. And uh, the day that you left to continue furthering your full-time efforts was a, a moment of great happiness for you, but also like, man, what do I have to do to do that? Well, uh, I did it in phases. I, I didn't, um, you know, maybe I could have been more reckless. I'm not really sure. I think that if I was to do it over again, I would change some things just because I'm, I'm wiser now about business and finances, I guess. But what I did was I actually, if you remember, I spent like a year booking weddings for the next year. In fact, at one point I was looking at buying a house and getting a mortgage. So I did my tax returns and such to the give, give them to the bank. And they're like, oh, um, it says here that you, <laughs> it says here that you only made $70 last year. Seven zero. <laughs> I'm like, What? I'm like, no, I'm, I'm pretty sure I made more than that because, you know, I was living on my own paying my bills, so I'm pretty sure that's wrong. They're like, oh, well, it says you were self-employed. I'm like, well, yeah, I did classify myself as self-employed. So they disregarded all of my income from Big Buy. And uh, that was interesting because I basically spent that year and any money that came in from the business went right back into some form of marketing, which for that year was bridal shows. So keep that in mind too. You know, you're going to need some money to get going with. Uh, this year I'm trying something different where I'm taking, um, I'm, t I'm taking, it might be really high, but I'm just going to try it for now. I have only done this for like a couple of weeks. So do not take this as advice. This is just something that I'm trying, but I'm taking a portion of every bit of income that comes in from the business of right now I'm trying 30%. And that is money that I'm using to spend on any expenses printing costs, album costs, advertising, uh, subscriptions for like, you know, Squarespace, Shootproof, whatever I used to use my online presences. Um, that all comes out of that expense bit. So like if I get a check for a thousand bucks, 300 of it goes right into the business in the expenses folder. Um, so when you say like, oh, Joe had a really successful business and then he left after a little while. That was just my perception of your perspective. Yeah. And, and I would say that it was going very well, but that's what it actually was. That's what actually was happening. Like that year, I actually didn't make anything. 
on purpose. Mm-hmm. I just pushed it, pushed it, pushed it, pushed it, pushed it. And then the next year I jumped headlong and and did 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 all right. I, I paid all my bills solely with uh, income from photography and I was very happy with that. But it's different for everybody. Uh, the breaking point for me though was, well, the breaking point for me was the whatever year of working through Black Friday and the holiday season at a big box retail store. And I just was like, I'm not doing this again, ever. And I just said, the next, next year, I will have stopped by the time Black Friday comes. So I, I will not work in another... I, I vocally said to myself and more than one person, I am never going to work another Black Friday, ever. And that was my, <laughs> that was my thing that I just held on to. I'm like, I'm not going to do this. So that was my breaking point. But it might be different for you. I mean, right now you're finding that it's, you know, it's difficult doing two jobs. Maybe you'll reach a point where you realize I could do more photography if maybe I just went part-time at my, yeah. at my full-time job or, or something, you know, or um, maybe, you, maybe you go even more part-time than that or maybe you drop it all together. I don't know. It, 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 it comes down to what you think is going to work best, you know, Make sure you're tracking your numbers. And I'm not just talking to you at this point. I'm talking to people who are in a similar situation. Make sure you're tracking numbers. Make sure that you're accounting for what it'll actually take to to make that jump or make that transition. I would suggest having a a good amount of money set aside. You know, just, you know, maybe three months worth of expenses. Just make sure you've got that aside so you can get rolling and have something to fall back on. Those are those are good pieces of advice, I would think. That's just good general advice for anybody. Just have at least three months of expenses ready to go. Well, it's it's a lot of the same advice. The, the financial advice for a being self-employed business is actually a lot of the same stuff that you would have for just personal finances, I have noticed anyways. But sure. um, I, I, do, I didn't want to interrupt you because I know there's probably more that you could say. But I had a couple other pieces of advice when you're done. Well, I, I, I do have a question for you because you sort of took a different approach to your photography business. You purchased the majority of your equipment up front, did you not? Uh, well, at, what do you mean? Took out a loan, bought your camera equipment, bought your lenses and everything. And I've slowly but steadily pieced myself together. And I don't really know when to stop upgrading my equipment. Well, I don't know what you mean by purchased up front. Like, as opposed to what? So... I've been slowly piecing together my photography kit, you know, buy a camera this year, buy a lens the next year, buy the other lens that I need the next year, buy a website the next year. But like you, if I'm not mistaken from what you've told me before, you've pretty much just got a bank loan, bought your 5D Mark III, you got your 24 to 70, you got your 70 to 200, and then you started your business, right? Um, No. That's not right. I don't remember telling you that. <laughs> oh no! All the I've never bought any piece of gear with a loan. Well, that, that's not true. I did actually buy uh, my drone with a loan for a while, but I don't know why because I had the money for it. I think I was doing it for some rewards with the credit card or something. But I paid it off like very shortly. But no, I didn't take a loan out to get the business going. I just, I, I just, I, I had the money. I saved up the money, and then I bought the things that I needed the qualification that I had for buying new pieces of gear was, is this going to yield a return on investment? Like my 5D. For the longest time, I didn't own a full-frame camera, so I rented them because I wanted the quality of a full-frame camera at weddings. So I would rent a 5D at every wedding. 
And that was fine. And I, you know, you could run an entire business on that if you want to keep it going. But I thought, how many weddings would I have to do before it would exceed the cost of the rent? Like how much, how many weddings would I have to do renting before I've actually paid more in rental than I would have if I just bought the camera? And I decided at that point, like, you know what, it's, and I forget what the number was, but because I was charging a different amount back then. But I'm like, you know what, this, this is just going to be better. I, I'm doing enough weddings now. I'm just going to buy it. So I, I bought it and, you know, it's long since paid itself off. And that's kind of what I do for any business purchase is like, is this going to save me money, make me money or cost me less than what I'm doing right now? Nowadays, there's also a question of, is this going to save me enough time to merit the money that I'm putting into it? Like outsourcing my, um, my, my bulk editing. When, uh, when was the first time that you paid yourself, not putting money back into the business, but actually, you know, paying your bills or what have you? Because I literally was only able to start using my photography funds for personal means in the past few months or so, because I've had an excess for what I budgeted out for my photography. What did you do with income from photography before you paid yourself? Went right back in the business. Meaning bought gear, marketing and stuff? In this past few years or so, it hasn't been really much upgrading gear. It's been more getting on shoot proof, getting mm. a website built and that sort of thing. The back end stuff that you might not consider. Yeah. Honestly, that's probably one of the things that I would have changed because I did not separate my finances from my, my W-2 income versus my photography income. It was just all money in the bank. And I didn't have, again, this is not, I, I advise not doing this. I didn't have a budget. I just had X amount of dollars and gotcha. knew that I was... There, there was no separation between big buy money and Joe High photography money. No, because at the time I was, I was living by myself. My rent wasn't that high. I had zero debt. So it wasn't really a difficult thing to live and save actually just on the income from big buy. So gotcha. the money for photography, I, I, and I, I did calculate that all out. So I'm like, okay, I know that if I put every cent that I make in photography into photography back into itself, I will still be just fine because I have an income over here from big buy. And that wasn't really an issue. Um, now is actually when I'm saying more like, okay, well now my only income is from self-employment. So I need to, I need to allot you know, I, I need to make sure that I'm making more than just my personal expenses covered because I'm going to need money to put back. I need to pay for websites and advertising and there's inevitably going to be new gear and stuff. And that's, so I think that if I was going to do it over again, it would be more like what I'm doing now. You know, I, I would, I would budget it a lot more, but gotcha. I do not recommend taking out an, a loan to get gear up front. No way. Mm -hmm. Do not recommend that. Please tell me you didn't do that for your MagMod stuff. Oh, absolutely not. Yeah, no. good, good, good. No, like like I said, every dime that I've made in photography, for the most part, has gone back into photography. And now I'm starting to realize, okay, time to start paying me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess, for, I guess for me, when you said, like, when did I start paying me? I, I guess it was when I started, dip, when I... When I cut my other income, my non-self-employment income, enough that I needed my income from photography. Like when I made that transition to where I was only working for someone else part-time. And it was to the point where like I can't just depend on that anymore. I need the income from photography. That's when I started paying myself. But again, it wasn't like 
I'm going to give myself a salary. It was income in is income in. It doesn't matter where it comes from. It, not the best way to do it. It did work, but you know, there's, there's probably smarter ways to handle it now. I think it's a good idea to keep the money separate and track it separately. So you can see like, this is how much, which I, which I do now, but because that's my only income. So I do a much, much better job of tracking things now, which I'm very happy about because taxes will kick you if you don't have anything tracked. There was one year where I didn't know about deducting miles and I didn't get any mileage deductions in taxes because I didn't know they existed. Wow. That was a bad year. <laughs> Were you doing your taxes or did you just have a bad accountant that didn't tell you to look out for that? No, I was doing my own taxes. I was like doing TurboTax okay. and I was like, I owe how much? And then I went to an accountant and they're like, well, how many miles did you deduct? And I said, what's that? <laughs> so, they're like, don't you drive your car to jobs? I'm like, yeah. They're like, you can take off 55 cents for every mile you drive. I'm like, oh, we're totally doing that. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. How are you anticipating that finances aside, how are you anticipating like, Im okay. So imagine, imagine Chris Golden has decided Chris Golden photography is Chris Golden photography. He doesn't work for anyone else. He only works for himself now. So all that time that you're at home working in front of the computer, you're working for yourself. Do you think that that would, um, you, you talked about a work life balance. Do you think that you would have the same problems or is it the fact that you have too much time in front of the computer? Or Because honestly, you may find that you're not spending that much less time in front of the computer. It's just all for your own investment now. That That is true. But when I was thinking about, oh, oh, I'd love to be a photographer one day, I did not come anywhere close to anticipating the amount of time that bookkeeping, customer management, everything like that, just trying to keep it all straight would take. Well, you, you learn things as you go. Um, you know, you, you find systems that work for you, means of tracking things that work for you, better ways of pricing so you can accommodate your time and everything. It, it's all a learning process and it's not, none of it is a, is a bad thing. Uh, if, if you're smart about it. Now, if you're just like, I'm going to be a photographer, I'm going to quit my job and go figure it out. That is a bad idea. You really should count the cost and just make sure you know what you're doing before you get in. Like I didn't actually jump into full-time photography until I was, I knew how at the pricing that I had for weddings, I knew how many weddings I would need to have booked that year to fully support myself with just wedding income. And I was like three weddings short of it in January. So I'm like, for sure, I'll book three more weddings this year and it'll be okay. And I booked far more than that. So like, it was a very calculated risk. Um, and, and, you know, you're a smart guy. You're not going to make an uncalculated risk. We'll see about that. You're a smart no, guy. Just, you're not, just, you're not going to be kidding. stupid about it. No, we'll see about me being a smart guy. Oh, <laughs> I think you're a smart guy. That's why I blocked you. But the other thing that you need to consider is separating work and life at home, which that's, that's the part that it's been interesting listening to you for the past several months on and off the podcast about your experience of like, you don't go to work anymore. You know, work is at home in your little office and so is your photography work. I, I, I feel kind of bad about not being able to empathize with that because that's been my norm. So like, I know that this past year, well, I mean, you know, 2020 was horrible for everybody, um, but for different reasons. And one of the reasons that I didn't have was 
the whole now work is at home and home is work. Uh, that's, that's been actually, that's been the norm for like my whole life. Cause I was homeschooled too. So like school was at home, play was at home, family was at home. And when I forgot I got, that you were homeschooled. Yeah. yeah. So you, you've, you've basically been adapted to handle this thing as much as you could be, I'd suppose. Yeah. I don't have much experience the other way, actually, to be honest. I mean, when I, when I yeah. went to work, it was actually very, uh, it was almost relaxing because like work was a break from everything else. Like when I went to work, all I have to do is think about work. And then when I went home, then I had everything else. I had photography and home and family and everything else. That is such a foreign concept to me. I've spent literally my entire life having home as a, a safe haven to sit down and relax at. And as soon as I was told, you're going to work from home, I was like, yeah, this is going to be great. This is going to be relaxing. I'm going to do my laundry well. You know, I've got this other project rendering or whatever. And man, I have not adapted very well to it, I don't think. And uh, I, I never even considered the fact that it would have been easier. I don't want to say it would have been easy for you because nothing about this has been easy. But yeah, I, I went to public school. I spent the majority of my time either at school or working or uh, some other extracurricular activities. You know, for the longest time, I, I did uh, Taekwondo lessons mm -hmm. most nights of the week. So, I mean, home was a rare luxury for me for the longest time i hadn't even considered the fact that when you're stuck there it feels like so isolated at least for me so a couple things about work and life that um i found very helpful is one thing is separating the space where you live versus where you work and um that's that's easier now like I have, I have this room. This is my room. This is my office. And Rhea has her room. Unfortunately, Jade has that room now. So Rhea actually doesn't have a room where she needs to do her work. That's why we're doing the shed. That's why we're doing the shed project. So it's like, it's even out of the house. That's the work building. This is the home building. It's really nice to be able to separate that. When you, when you can't really separate the spaces, it, it becomes more muddled. Um, so that's a good thing is to actually say, okay, this is this is workspace, this is living space, and not confuse the two. Do you also set aside a time where uh, you will get back to clients and emails and everything? I, I should. I don't, okay. but I should. Um, I keep because saying I, that I'll I've do that. I've worried so bad. I've wanted to do the whole social media break, you know, take a break from your phone, leave mm -hmm. it at home thing. But there's always the paranoid part of me that's always like, well, what if a client reaches out and wants a wedding? They're not going to reach out when I'm on a Wegmans trip or whatever. Wegmans is a grocery store chain, by the way, for anybody who's <laughs> not in the Northeast or just the East in general. But like, you know, I is it is it a fear of missing out thing? Well, you think I, a, a little a little bit. Um, I, I know exactly what you mean. But I st especially having um, a family now. Uh, sorry, a, a human family. Do you have a cat? But um I, I found myself when I was single, I found myself valuing my time in the sense of like, okay, this is time that I could be working on making money as a self-employed person. Nowadays, it's more like, okay, this is time that I could be spending with my wife, with my baby and whatnot. So it's, it now takes priority over the self-employment. So if I'm saying, oh, this job for this wedding is taking so much time, 
I could save a lot of that time if I paid someone else to to um, edit the photos. I'm thinking of it more so in like that would allow me to have a further separation between work and life, and it would allow me to invest more in my my time with my family. So it's it's been kind of a mind shift like that. I do. I, I said that I don't have a separate time where I specifically answer clients, but I was thinking about it. I actually do. I just think it should be more restrict, restrictive than it is. But typically, um, I try to think of the day in terms of like a nine to five thing. Um, I don't think that that works for the clientele that I work with because they are usually, you know, young career people. So if they're going to communicate with me, it's not going to be between the hours of nine and five on a weekday. They're probably going to reach out over the weekends. They're probably going to be reaching out in the evenings. So I leave that open. But if somebody sends an email, I do not obligate myself to answer the email if it's in, you know, the evening, the evening time. Like for me, I usually say like seven o'clock and on is an optional email responding time. Gotcha. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I had a client that I'm doing some product photography for, which that's been an interesting little side venture in itself. But um, she had texted me and she was like, hey, I'd like to talk to you about this thing. And I called her right back and she was like, oh, my God, Chris, I have got to tell you how much of a breath of fresh air you are from all the other people that have been ghosting me lately. I was like, oh, Ooh. that's nice. It, it, you know what? She's right. It, was it a wedding client? Uh, no, it was a person oh, said, that I'm doing sorry, some product, you said product photography. photography. Yeah, yeah, but I, I mean, I'm sure a lot of uh, brides go through the same thing. In fact, my wife had a situation where one of our vendors, not you, obviously, would just <laughs> completely ignore her and mm. myself reaching out to her, and it was like, okay, we signed the contract. You know, we haven't heard anything from you. It's one week from the wedding. Are you gonna do the thing? that we paid you for. And it was the most nerve wracking thing. Cause we, we even went to the wedding day. Like, I hope she shows up. Yeah. I, I don't want to get into too many specifics, but it was our cake decorator or baker, I should say. And, uh, the entire time leading up to it, we were so nervous and so scared that this person would just not show up. And my wife is a cake decorator. So that was a huge deal for her. If we went to a wedding without a cake, that'd be embarrassing, man. For, for her especially. And I think that's one of the reasons that I'm so paranoid to always be like on the spot, answer the question the moment that I get it, you know, be that guy is because we've been through the situation as clients where we don't get answers back from people. We don't get emails back. We don't get texts back. Every once in a while, we'd get a, hey, okay, that sounds good. And it'd be like a one sentence reply from her. We were so nervous on the wedding day that we would not get our product. Okay. I, I hear what you're saying, and I, I, I know how you feel, and I give it a 48-hour rule. Like You, you, you should give yourself 48 hours to reply to something? Yeah. I mean, if it's during, like, okay, I'm, I'm in work mode here, and I've got an email, like, I'll answer right then and there sometimes, or I might say, like, okay, that can wait. I'm in the middle of, like, editing mode. I need to finish out this editing mode. Um, but typically, I would say... If someone asks me a question, like I should answer them within 48 hours and say 48 hours, because if they sent, if they sent me a message on like Saturday, I could still answer them on Monday and it would be within 48 hours. Mm -hmm. So, and, and, you know, I'm not, 
th- those are very, very loose rules. But it, it's when I give myself permission to be not working. That That's a good point because it's also gone into the negative for me where I don't want to say that I've responded too fast, but I've also gotten paranoid too because I'm used to dealing with clients over either text messages for details or Facebook Messenger. And when you can see that someone has read your message and just left you on read and not <laughs> responded to it. Yeah. That is the most anxiety inducing thing in the world. Like you send somebody a quote and I know that's not a big deal for a lot of people who get regular clients and everything. But for me, just trying to make a go at it and trying to expand my business and I've got three or four clients a month when a client just leads me on red and it's at, like right after you send a quote or say, a, okay, this is what we're going to do. I hate that. Do this, do that. You know, this is uh, the big one recently for me was um, this is what I have to do for COVID restrictions, you know, for a, a newborn shoot. And she was like, you know, we're really nervous about COVID and everything like that. And I was like, okay, so here's what I'm going to do. We're going to do X, Y, and Z, you know, wear the mask. I'll use the telephoto lens and everything, which I kind of was planning on doing anyway. And I hadn't heard a response from her for like three days. And I was like, did I screw something up? Did I scare them off? Yeah. yeah I know exactly I, I don't how know. that feels. That, that is such a blessing and a curse to be able to see that someone has, res- has read your message and neglected to respond to it. I get it because she's a new mother and her messaging had been kind of sporadic up to that point. Like, send a message, get a response the next day kind of thing. Yeah, that, that but, does happen man, a lot with when you have babies. <laughs> yeah, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely empathetic to it. Did I tell you I had my first ghosting recently too? You're, you've only had one? <laughs> Well, can you count yourself lucky if this is your only one so far? <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, not not like somebody who had canceled on a shoot, but just like straight up not showed up for it. Oh, like a all the way. OK, I thought you meant somebody who just stopped talking to you. No, no, no. I'm, I'm talking had the shoot plan. Didn't get a retainer. Going to work on that uh, mandatory retainer from now on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I had my first client who booked me ready to go. And the day of, I was getting ready to head out, and I was like, okay, what's up? Nothing. Crickets. Red. <laughs> Message red. Yeah. For, and... for that precaution, because I think that happened to me once, and I, I said, well, never going to do that again. So now I always send a message out, like, if it's in the evening, I send it the morning of or the night before or something, just be like, so are we still good for tomorrow? And if they don't answer within a reasonable amount of time, then I send them another message saying, hey, I haven't heard from you. Are you are we? And, and then I'll say something like, listen, if I don't hear from you by this time, I'm going to assume that you're not available for the shoot and I'll just not go. And, I, I f- and did I've had that to exact do that. procedure. And uh, it was funny because this is a person that I'd known. This is a person that I didn't know really well, but it was somebody that me and my wife went on a double date with because the, the friend of a friend situation. Mm-hmm. And uh, not only did they ghost me, but they also unfriended and blocked me too. Oh, right don't after you hate that. being so it was like, blocked by your friends? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a surprisingly common incident recently. <laughs> but yeah, I was like, wow, okay. I'd never experienced that before. Like, not only did you completely leave me hanging and have me clear out my plans for this entire evening, but you also shut me out of the rest of your life thanks bye 
Well, going along with work-life balance, I don't know if any of our listeners could hear it, but my little girl is apparently not going down for her nap like she should. So when talking about work-life balance and knowing your limits, again, it's an ever-changing thing. And now I'm kind of in a place where you know, my family takes priority and I have, I'm fortunate enough to be able to say things like, hey, Chris, this podcast needs to end because I, know I need to go and take care of my little girl. <laughs> Sounds good, Joe. It was nice talking with you. Thanks for the advice. And I'm sure it was right. useful to a lot of our listeners too. Yeah, do me a favor and just uh, I'm going to go get her. You go ahead and just give our listeners the outro of where they can subscribe and everything. Oh, by the way, you can email us at bocabanter.com. I didn't know if we had put that out there. But anyway, I'm going to go. Bye, Chris. Wait, what's the email? Is it at bocabanter? What? what is our email? Is it joe at bocabanter.com or I something? Think it's in, I think it's info something, but there's a little mail icon on our website. Okay, great. So everybody email info something at bocabanter.com. Uh, here we go. Uh oh, Joe's leaving. How do I wrap up a podcast? Here we go. All right, you can find us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, uh, wherever else fine podcasts are listened to. Thank you for listening. This has been Chris and Joe in the other room. Bye. I could never do like a solo show or host something. This is terrible. Joe, if you're listening to this, I have forgiven you for the block, but only moderately.